0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. One of the exciting
1: things about being alive and being a part of this world is being able to go out into the world and discover the creative nature of God. It's very exciting to go and explore the rocks and the plants and the animals the things that God made, and see his design in all of the things that he created. When we explore ourselves even, all the way down to the molecular level, to explore and study our DNA and how we function as a person, all of these things, in my opinion, are very exciting. I really enjoy being able to take time, whenever I can, to explore the creation of God and see how he put things together. Because to me, the complexities are to such an extent that without question, in my mind, there had to be a God to put these things together. Because of what he has done, this world is functional, relatively speaking. There, of course, were a few changes that God made after the fall of Adam and Eve. But for the most part, we can see the functionality of of what he made, that to me, in many ways, is very clear. And to see how everything functions and how things fit together, to see the dependencies that exist in the animals, for example, and the dependencies that exist in the natural sciences and within chemistry and biology, to me, these are very exciting things to explore. But one thing that can be depressing sometimes is to see that we as people do not appear to function as we would expect us to function. When you consider that God created us, we appear to be a little dysfunctional. Now, I do not believe that this is the fault of God. I believe that this is a description of the fall of humanity, that Adam and Eve, for example, had the ability to choose if they wanted to stay in the state that they were in, that God created them to be in. They could have remained in the Garden of Eden, but they chose to reject What God said, they did not believe him. And because of that, we, of course, experience a lot of dysfunctionality in our lives. And we see that in the world around us. We can see that, for the most part, humanity appears to be a bit dysfunctional. But this is outside of the initial creative design of God. This is something separate. This is something different. And so I don't believe that this is an indictment on God or to suggest That God failed in some way, I don't believe that at all. I believe that we are a bit dysfunctional and that we are responsible for that, that it is our fault, that we are the ones who are accountable to God, accountable Him being our Creator, and that one day we will be confronted with this issue. Now, when we look at the design of the world and we see the functionality of the world and we look at the design of ourselves and we see the dysfunctionality that exists within ourselves, how will functionality ever be restored? Well, according to the gospel, we can be born again by the Spirit of God. We can be made into a new creation and this new creation will experience a certain degree of functionality. And perhaps we could suggest that that functionality, from our point of view, will tend to improve over time as we mature in our faith. There are various ways of looking at that. But in this program, what I would like to spend some time talking about is our unique design, because I believe that having a better understanding of how we were created, by understanding our design, that we can have some better insights concerning... The relationship that our God has called us to. Now, we could describe ourselves as being an individual or a person of three components. The three components that people normally refer to are the body, the soul, and the spirit. And so I'm going to take some time to talk about the differences between the body and the soul and the spirit. For example, the body could probably be described in terms of the physical and the visible and the audible attributes that can be expressed through our body. Now, of course, we have the plants and the animals and the rocks, and they themselves have a body in that sense, that they also have a physical, visible, and audible set of attributes that we can use in order to help classify these things, but the body in and of itself... Doesn't do a whole lot. You know, the plants and the trees, they certainly grow, but there are things that separate or make a division between the plants and perhaps, say, the animals. The animals, for example, have a body. They have physical, visible, and audible attributes. But in addition to that, they apparently have something that I will just simply call a soul. I will refer to what they have as a soul, and I'll describe that or define that as having A mind having emotions and a will. Animals have a mind to think with, emotions that will respond to whatever the mind is thinking, and a will that provides them with the ability to make a choice with regards to how they are going to respond to either their mind or their emotions or perhaps a combination of the two. And I believe that we can relate to this because we also have a mind to think with. We have emotions that respond according to what it is that we are thinking. And we have a will. We can make choices as well as the animals can make choices. I am not suggesting that we are an animal. I believe that we are distinct from the animals, that there is a difference. But just to refer to the component of the soul, to say that there is a body and a soul, I believe that we do share something in common with the animals in that small way. Now, the animal's soul governs their body. What they think, how they make their decisions, the choices that they make are reflected in their bodies, their physical, visible, and audible attributes. And so there is an aspect of government within a being, within an animal, in the sense that their soul governs their body's actions. And I think that this is very important to recognize because we also experience some of that, that when we make a choice to lift our hand or to walk a certain distance, our body is governed by our soul, governed by our mind, emotions, and will, if I was to just simply describe our soul in that way. And so we experience the governing influence of the soul Over the body. Now, there is one thing that I can't help but notice about animals, and that is that I have never witnessed an animal contemplating some of the things that we tend to contemplate or think about. For example, I've never seen a dog push his bone aside and express something that sounds like this Gosh, you know, I really think that there is more to life than this. There must be something more to life than this. I mean, what is My real purpose in life? Where am I going to find meaning in my life? You know, I would like to understand more about the complexities of this bone. I would like to know what its molecular structure is. I would like to know what its rate of decay is. I mean, these are things that I personally have never seen a dog, or at least in my opinion from my observations, I've never seen a dog contemplate these kinds of things, that this is something unique, that there is something different between people and animals. Now, the dog knows how to chew on the bone. He might even bury the bone. And so there are things that the animal will do with the bone. And of course, I believe some of these things are quite unique in the sense that I wouldn't expect a person to just sit there for an hour or two chewing on a bone or perhaps go out into their backyard and bury a bone. I mean, there seems to be some uniqueness there. These are actions that animals perform, and it appears as if they are pre-programmed, and I believe that they are, that there is a pre-programming of some kind that influences their mind, emotions, and will, that influences their physical, visible, and audible activities or responses to the world that they are a part of. I believe that this pre-programming is what we could call instinct. Instinct appears to be a pre-programmed set of responses given certain circumstances. It's a design within animals that they have the instinct to deal with their bones in that way. A bird will build a nest in a certain way. Animals will travel at certain times during the year. They will do different things. There is a pre-programming that is unique to each animal in terms of how they interact with the world around them that overcomes their mind, emotions, and will to an extent that I can say with a degree of confidence that they have instinct that governs their soul, that governs their body. We, however, do not have instinct now, I understand that there are some people who believe that we have instinct. I'm just saying that I don't agree. I personally don't think that we have instinct, not anything like the animals have. And so I will say no. I will say that we are governed by something else. Now, what I believe is that the scriptures describe a person as being composed of a body, soul, and spirit, and that the spirit of man is something unique that separates man From the animals, that we have a spirit that is unique, and I believe that this spiritual component that we have, this part of who we are, is something that allows us to have some connectivity with our God in a unique way that the animals and the plants can never experience. Now, I personally believe, as a scientist, that it can be very difficult to study and classify certain aspects of the spiritual component of humanity, and so I am doing my best when I talk about the spiritual part of humanity at this time, I believe that this is something that allows us to have some connectivity with God, perhaps the ability to know God, the ability to have a need for love and acceptance in a unique way that animals will never be able to experience. The problem with humanity, though, is that according to the scriptures, According to the description that we have with regards to the fall of humanity, what we know is that when we are born into this world, we are born spiritually dead. The good news, or the gospel, is that the Lord our God has provided us with forgiveness, forgiveness for our sins so that he can restore to us the spirit of life that was lost in Adam so that we can be resurrected and be made spiritually alive, but when we are born into this world because of the fall that occurred with Adam and Eve, everyone has been born into this world spiritually dead. So we have a spirit that is dead. Dead in the sense that it does not have what it needs in order to function as God designed it. I believe that our spirit was designed in such a way that the Spirit of God would dwell within our spirit, He would guide us and fulfill the needs that we have deep down inside in our being for love and acceptance, meaning and purpose. Through the fulfillment that we would receive by the presence of our God within us, we would then be able to function appropriately. Being loved perfectly by our God, our spirit would then govern our soul, our mind, emotions, and will, which would then govern our body, our physical, visible, and audible attributes, the manifestations of the activity of our flesh, would be a clear description of the relationship that we would have with our God deep down in our spirit, as our body would be governed by our soul, which is governed by our spirit, which is governed by His Spirit. I believe that that was the design of God. But just like a pen will not write correctly if it doesn't have any ink in it, so also we will not function as God created us without the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So I believe that this is a reasonable description of humanity, the description of body, soul, and spirit, and that there is a governing aspect between each one of those parts. Animals are governed by instinct, and God created us to be governed by himself. Now, of course, I understand that there are many people who have attempted to live like an animal, but they can't do it. They're never going to be able to succeed to live like an animal because. They don't have instinct. And you know, there are many people in the world who actually look at animals as being higher beings in some ways, probably because they recognize that animals don't struggle in the same ways that we struggle. They don't seem to struggle with issues concerning love and acceptance and meaning and purpose. They don't seem to struggle with the issues related to sin. If you were to study a cow, for example, you would probably recognize that a cow appears to be... A peaceful being, relatively peaceful. And so perhaps they have achieved something greater than we have. This is how people will view a cow or view other animals. And they look up to them as something that they try to aspire to or emulate or mimic in some way, but I do not believe that this is what God called us to. I believe what people are actually seeing is the pre-programmed instinct that was given to them by God and that they are mistaking that, assuming that that is something that they personally can achieve, but God just simply didn't create us to live that way. God created us to live in a specific way But because of the fall of humanity, we cannot do that. But what we can do is we can be restored to him according to the new covenant. The new covenant was established according to the gospel, the good news that he can restore to us, the spirit of life that was lost in Adam. But what is created through the restoration of life is not the old creation. It is a new creation. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we will begin to function in a different way, but I do not believe that our God created us through the new creation according to the new covenant. I do not believe that he created us to attempt to restore completely what was experienced by Adam and Eve, and the reason why I will say that is because we still get to experience sin in our lives while we are here and of course there is a lot that can be said about that but i'm not going to talk about that in detail in this program for the sake of time consider a car for example or an automobile think about an automobile for just a moment god certainly made the things that we take and we make an automobile with but we are the ones who make the automobiles and the automobile has been made with a certain design in mind. The automobile requires fuel of some kind in order to operate correctly. It requires electricity, or it requires gasoline or petrol, depending upon what part of the world you're in. It requires fuel in order to function. But what happens if you fail to put the right amount of fuel, or the right kind of fuel, into that automobile? If you fail to put fuel into this vehicle... It's not going to operate the way that it was designed to operate, the way it was made to operate. So what can you do if your vehicle runs out of fuel? What do you do? Well, you can get behind the vehicle and you can start pushing it. That's one thing you can do. But this is peculiar. This is a little odd. It shouldn't take you very long if you begin to do this before you start to discover that this probably is not the right solution to the problem that you're presently faced with. It might be in your interest instead to go and obtain the proper fuel, put that into the vehicle, and let the vehicle run as it's supposed to run. But there are many people who live their lives in this way. They live their lives as if they are trying to develop advanced or more sophisticated car-pushing techniques. Instead of looking to solve the actual problem of humanity, which is the absence of the Holy Spirit, we are born into this world spiritually dead. We do not know our God. We do not have a relationship with Him. Instead of dealing with that, people try to discover and deploy advanced car-pushing techniques. You know, you get behind a car, for example, and if you lean, perhaps this time, with your left shoulder, raise your right hand and bow your head then you might be able to push that car a little further, a little better. This is what people experience in religion. In religion, people try to derive or apply what I could easily call advanced car pushing techniques, that if you will just do it this way, or you will do it that way, or you'll be more committed or more devoted or whatever, then you can get your flesh to move a little better, a little farther much better than it was before. You can get your flesh under control to a certain degree. But this is not what the Christian life is about. It's not about advanced car-pushing techniques. It truly is about recognizing our dysfunction, recognizing His provision to return us to a degree of functionality. That is through the restoration of His Spirit, so that we can begin as a new creation to live in a new and different way. And that is something that a person can begin to discover after they have been born again by the Spirit of God. Now, through this explanation, it can be very tempting to think about this in terms of we were once dysfunctional, now we are partially functional, and so let's just live in this functionality that we have now been called to. Now I do believe that we will experience change and transformation in who we are, that our spirit will experience fulfillment, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and that He will meet the deepest needs of our emptiness in our spirit, our need for love and acceptance, that that will have an effect in our mind, emotions, and will that I have described as our soul and that we will also experience an effect From the influence in our soul, in the sense that our flesh will behave differently, I do believe that. But there is something else. There is something more that I believe our God wants us to know and understand. In Proverbs, for example, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, this is Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Again, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, people can look at this and say, okay, there's this spirit. There's this spiritual component. It is the lamp of God, and you can assume in the second part of this verse that it is a lamp that allows the Lord to search the inner depths of our heart. That's one way of reading this, so that he can see what? Our mind, our emotions, our will, so that he can see the emptiness in our spirit and how he fills our spirit. I do believe that there is some truth to that, that the Lord will look deeper inside us, that he will speak to us in a way that we will be able to understand uniquely as he relates to us, that there is an illumination that he will utilize so that he can have a closer relationship with us personally. I do believe that that's true. But I personally believe that the emphasis of his heart is not on ours, but instead is on his. That we are the lamp of the Lord so that we might see the inner depths of his heart, of God's heart, not of ours, but of his. Again, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Our spirit that he created us to have is a lamp that will provide illumination so that we might be able to search and see the depths of the heart of God. And that I believe that that is the functionality that our God wants us to truly experience. That the functionality is not to be measured by what happens in our flesh, While I do believe that there will be some change, I do believe that I believe that the greater functionality has to do with us being able to see the depths of the heart of God so that we might know our God. That to me is the kind of functionality that he has called us to that we can truly experience now. A lamp requires something to work correctly. For example, we have lamps that we use today that are powered by electricity. And if you don't use electricity, that light bulb is not going to turn on. There will be no illumination. You might as well stick a potato in that light socket. It's not going to matter what you have in there anymore if you don't have the electricity to go into the light bulb to power the light bulb, to enable the light bulb to turn on and illuminate things. So also, we require the Holy Spirit within us, just as the light bulb requires electricity. During the time when this was written, people used oil, oil in the lamp. Without oil, your lamp wouldn't function. And oil is a foreshadowing of the oil of God, as in the Holy Spirit of God, that we require within our spirit, which is the lamp. Our spirit is the lamp. His spirit is the oil. And together an illumination can take place so that we might search and discover and see and experience the heart of our God. And this, to me, is the function, the functionality that our God created us for. Our God created us as a body, soul, and spirit. That's true. His spirit within us will govern our spirit, that will govern our soul, that will govern our body. And certainly, out of the manifestation of our flesh, the invisible God can be manifested in a physical, visible, and audible way, that is true. But do not underestimate the significance of His Spirit dwelling within us, so that through the mutual participation of our lamp and His oil, we personally might see the depths of His heart and His being. The goal of the Christian life is not to find some way to make us functional so that we can get our flesh under control. That can be a side effect that we can experience and enjoy. I believe that. But the real goal, in my opinion, is to know our God, the depths of his being, the true and living God and the one who he has sent.